I've got in my hand some butchers nourishing food for dogs with tripe. I hope the word tripe is not about what I'm going to say in a while. But I was wondering whether there was anybody brave enough to come and taste it. If there are no takers, I'm afraid Jason is going to have to take it. All right. He tells me he has got a low gag reflex. <laughs> so we might need a bucket of water and a mop in a minute. But um, yes. So I'm going to put this uh, down for a second, take off the lid, and I'm going to get Jason to taste it. Rams of carbs, doesn't tell me. Right. Do you think he can do it? No, yeah. yes. yes, he yes. can do it. Yeah. Oh, it smells vile. I don't think he can do it. Do you just want the juice? Intents and purposes. This is dog food. But I want to talk to you about something that's in the middle. That links in with the story. Oh, I believe this too well. Because <laughs> things are not what they appear. It's actually stewed steak in gravy. So, not so bad, methinks. How many of you can remember a TV programme called Keeping Up Appearances? Have you watched that? Mrs. Bouquet? Hyacinth and her husband Richard. So, if you remember the programme, the programme was about a lady basically called Hyacinth Bouquet and her husband Richard who lived in a fairly well-to-do area but didn't come, or Hyacinth didn't come from a very well-to-do home. But she definitely wanted everybody to think that she came from a very well-to-do home. And so her whole life was geared to keeping up appearances, making herself look good, making herself look like that she came from, not aristocracy was probably too high, but probably uh, came from the very uh, more wealthy classes. And she spent her whole life doing that. In fact, she drove her husband, Richard, totally mad almost as she did it because she would do the most outrageous things. She would annoy the neighbours and, and, and she would invite people around for dinner parties and it would all be very just so, you know. Very just so, you know. And so I want to talk to you this morning about keeping up appearances. 
And the danger of trying to keep up appearances and to live your life by keeping up appearances. You see, in the story that Steph read to us and the actual passages of scripture that you can find all this account in comes in 1 Samuel, starting with Saul being anointed as king, as Steph read, going right through to, to the, where Saul is rejected as king, and then God makes his choice of a new king, not with someone who was the same as the one before, who looked the right part, but actually for the person who had the right heart. So it wasn't about looking the part, it was about having the right heart. I'm amazed in this story. As I read through it, I was amazed at the fact that the qualifications for his choice was that he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So he was sort of like Steve over there, you know, really a man of stature standing tall. And so if I stood next to him, his shoulders would be about here, and then the rest of him went above me. That would be quite just unbelievable, wouldn't it? So he was very tall, very striking, and there was no one in Israel anywhere that was as tall as him. And then it says, actually, it goes on, and it doesn't just say that he was tall, but unlike me, he was handsome. My wife thinks I'm handsome, and that's all that matters. But he was handsome. In fact, he was the most handsome man in Israel. And so to all intents and purposes, I'm not surprised, even though God was involved in his choice, that the people immediately rallied to this man because he was striking. He looked right. But he had a problem. His heart was not right. He might have looked the part. He might have dressed the part. He might have had the most glorious clothes um, from when he became king. He might have had people, you know, they talked in the old days about touching your forelock, you know, just uh, acknowledging people and stuff who were above you, taking off your hat, just bowing slightly and all the rest of it. The reality is he had all that, but his heart was wrong. And eventually, what was in his heart destroyed what God had given him as a position to do. Now, some people might say that God knew what Saul would do, and that's why he chose him. He wanted to show the people that Saul was not him, because up until this point, God had been king and in control. And he had ruled, if you like, through his mouthpiece called the prophet, the prophet Samuel on this occasion. And he had spoken to the peoples through the prophet, and then the people had obeyed. You'd had Moses who'd led the, 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 the people out of Egypt and through the wilderness for 40 years. And he was uh, a friend of God. He was a prophet. He spoke the words of God to the people. And he took the people before God. And that was what Saul was meant to do. But Saul, Saul was a very insecure man. 
a very insecure man, and his insecurities led him to sin. He was insecure about himself because on the day that he was due to be crowned king, he was nowhere to be found. And they had to inquire of the Lord, where is he? Where is he? And the reality is they found him, it says in the book of Samuel, it says they found him amongst the baggage, hiding away. But the people still wanted him as king. And so God tells Samuel not to worry, basically. They might be rejecting him, but give them the king that they want. Now, there's a lesson for us in that moment. A lesson. And the lesson is this. That God can give us over to the things we want and let us do the things we want even though for a long time he pursues us and he tries to get our attention so that we do not do things which dishonor him. Both Liz and I know not just of one individual, but several individuals who have been involved in ministry and maybe at different times you will have known of people similar And I know of one occasion where there was a man who was stood on a platform somewhere at one of these, um, you know, uh, camps that they do in the summer. And he was standing there and he was pontificating, you know, about what he was speaking about. And all of a sudden the power went out and all the lights went off. And another minister jokingly from the platform, at the back of the platform, made the comment, that's the end of your ministry. And do you know, later on, not long later, he lost his ministry because of immorality. But he said these words, he said, whilst the minister behind him had said that as to get a laugh from the congregation... He said the moment the words hit his ears, he knew it was God telling him that God had basically pulled the plug. You see, God had been speaking to him for years about his situation and he hadn't responded to it. And so there are times where God gives us over to our own desires and wants. In fact, sin starts with the desire that we carry in our heart. James tells us that. James is very clear. I don't know if I wrote it down in here, but James is quite clear. He says that, you know, that don't say that God is tempting me, but you are tempted basically when the desires of your heart take to the forefront and when after a while when they have uh, you know uh, not conceived what's the word I'm looking for have you got the verse there Steve because I can't remember it off the top of my off the top of my it's in chapter one James one it says and when it is given birth can you read that verse out for me I'm sure you will Let's have a race. Jason, if you find it first then. Come on, Steve. Come on, Jason. (laughs) Who are you rooting for, Jason or Steve? Or both? Let's go for both. It's it's more nice. Read the two verses together. There's two. Andrew, here. Andrew beat them 
I'll read from... I'll read from 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full-grown, gives birth to death. Therefore, insecurity... made Saul do things he was not meant to do. And he was enticed. He was so worried in the end about his own position and his own power. His heart had become evil. Evil to me means turned away from God. Not pursuing God. You read things again through Scripture very clearly that we get given over to the things that we do. Adam and Eve, even, in the Garden of Eden, they had a choice. I want to point out something to you from Genesis that really struck me. There were two trees in the garden that were named, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God commanded them not to eat of, but the tree of life, and he gave them permission to eat of any other tree in the garden, including the tree of life, And so right from the outset of God's creation, we need to choose life always. We need to choose life. We need to choose and determine about the way we are going to live. You see, Saul had the appearance, but his heart was bad. David, however, in the rest of the story, didn't even get an invitation to the first party or the sacrifice and the meal you see he wasn't even considered because these seven sons of Jesse were there now it's not known exactly but it does say David says in Psalm 51 he was born in iniquity or out of iniquity and some people think that maybe Jesse had had an affair at some time in his life And so David wasn't of his mother in terms of the woman who brought him up, all right? Or maybe she had had an affair, and so Jesse might not have been his father, even though he took that role. And so David was left out, and he wasn't tall like his first, well, like the first brother, Eliab. He wasn't tall like him. He was small. But the one thing that David had was the heart. And what amazes me the most in that moment when Samuel has these men brought before him, remembering what had happened with Saul, immediately Eliab is brought into the moment. We, re- we would read words like this in 1 Samuel 16. That Samuel basically looked at Eliab and thought, this must be the man. Making his, his decision based on what he saw and saw alone. And it is at that moment that Steph so wonderfully just brought in and focused our attention by she said, when she said, God whispered to him. Don't look at the outward appearance, for the Lord does not look out 
at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. There it is. God looks at the heart. Why is God so interested in our heart? Because the word tells us it's the wellspring of life. We're told to guard our heart because it is the wellspring of life. Now the word guard means actually to be a watchman over your heart. And so the ESV, I think, who talks about be vigilant or the King James, I can't remember. What does the King James say? Uh, Let me see. I can tell you. I know I've got it here. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence, vigilance, diligence, working at it. It's not something which is just going to happen. And we live in a world and a time where what we want is instantaneous, just like that. We think we come to Jesus, we've done our bit, God's done his bit, and that's it, it's all over. But we are constrained by God, I believe, to keep our hearts, to guard our hearts with vigilance and diligence and to work at it because it is not necessarily going to come natural to us because we have sin in our lives. Even though I am forgiven, even though I can come in with boldness before the the throne of grace because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, when I confess my sins before him and I bow my knee and submit to him, even when I do that, I can rejoice in that fact. But even then, I still need to be diligent and vigilant over my own heart because it says in Jeremiah 17 that the heart, in fact, I think it's 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things. So how do we be vigilant? How do we keep um, and be diligent over our heart? If you were to go to Proverbs 4 and start at verse 20, it says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight or keep uh, uh, sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with vigilance, for it, from it flow the springs of life. And then it goes on about putting away crooked speech. So that's an action that needs to be taken. Let your eyes look directly towards and your gaze be straight before you. In other words, you take hold of what you look at, what you say and what you look at, because it's those things that can lead you to defilement. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Don't swerve to the right or the left. In other words... Don't allow yourself to become distracted from God himself. The psalmist in Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man or a young person or a person, because I class myself as young, I feel young internally, whether I'm 62 or not, all right? Yeah, I think you feel always young. All right. The psalmist says, how can a young man or a person cleanse their way by taking heed according to your word? We live in a lazy generation. And the lazy generation does not necessarily soak itself in God's word. And I want this morning to encourage you If you want to become a man or woman 
teenager, boy, girl, after the heart of God, that you have God's heart in you, you need to listen and to take in God's word. I was interested as well when I read Jeremiah 17. You know, one of the things that occasionally gets says to me is this. In fact, I've used it myself. I feel that I'm in a dry place. Have you ever said that to yourself? I feel that I'm in a dry place. Well, if you were to read Jeremiah 17, can you get my Bible out? Because I, I need to read it. <clears throat> and you wonder why you might be in a dry place. I think dryness, very more often than not, is the first telltale sign that you've moved. Because the prophet speaking in chapter 17 in Jeremiah, he says these words. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Nothing can grow there. It's a salt land. Nothing can grow. When you're in a dry place, the fruits of the Spirit will not grow. When you're in a salt land, you're doing your own thing. You know what the Word says and you continue to do your own thing. You go into the salt lands. Nothing can grow. And yet you know God. You've known God closely. And what happens is you, you just feel parched. You feel dry. You feel almost overwhelmed. And yet there is only one way to change your circumstances, and that is to repent, turn back to God, that times of refreshing may flow from the Lord, as it says in the Acts of the Apostles. But the heart, the man who trusts in the Lord, this follows on directly after, whose trust is in the Lord, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. The psalmist also tells us in 139 these words or words to this effect. He says, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Reveal anything in me, basically, that is wicked. Anything, basically, that goes against you. And then in Psalm 51, the psalmist again cries out to the Lord and asks for cleansing of his heart. 51, 2, 7 and 10. Cleanse me from my iniquities. Cleanse me. And you know, the word of God says this. It says, if we confess our sin, 
and it's genuine. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning I want to ask you, do you want a heart? Do you want to be known by God as a man or woman after his heart? Then these things I would say to you. Don't worry about keeping up appearances. Come before God. Ask him to examine your heart. We're told to examine ourselves to see if we're still in the faith. That would not be there unless that was a direction that was meant to be actually taken seriously. Examine ourselves to see if we still remain in the faith. So search me, O Lord, and know my heart. And if you find anything there resting, which God highlights to you, then go before him. Ask him for forgiveness and cleansing from sin and cleansing from unrighteousness. Soak yourself in God's word. Be someone who comes to Jesus, who is the living word, continually. So that you might know refreshing. Right at the beginning of Jeremiah, it said these words, something like this. For my people, no, it says this. For my people commit, have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Folks, God wants us to experience the fullness of the Spirit, the fullness of him dwelling with us, in us, and through us. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. We want to thank you for the gift of Jesus who didn't consider equality with you something to be grasped, but made himself lower than the angels and came and emptied himself and was obedient even to death on a cross. Father, we want to thank you for that tremendous, life-changing gift, that transformatory gift that you have given to us. Father, this morning... I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we will be bold enough just to ask you to search our hearts so that, Lord, you can reveal to us if there is anything within us that needs attention. I pray, Lord, that as we do that, Father God, we will not be overwhelmed with condemnation, guilt, and shame. But as we truly turn to you and repent of those things, that, Lord, we will know the huge flow, the cleansing flow of your blood on our lives. And that, Lord, once again, we will know what it means to stand before you totally, totally clean. Lord, help us not treat what cost you so much, so cheap. Help us treat your gift with 
real seriousness. Help us treat your gift with real thanksgiving as we stand in awe of all you have done for us. For we ask it in your name. Amen.